There are, in our world, certain places that seem to draw on the strange, the unusual, the monstrous. And when you were a hip young teen coming of age in one of these locations, it doesn't matter if you are an aspiring scientific genius, a burgeoning telekinetic, or a social media influencer. Your safety is not guaranteed. In these dangerous times at Chillhaven High. in media res penny white you just woke up in the middle of the night at your sleepover zeke's bedroom full of all of your friends to see murderer scrawled in what appears to be blood on the wall of the bedroom what do you do yeah i sure do see that um <laughs> and i think <laughs> all, all three eyes focus directly on that yeah she closes each one individually to make sure she's reading it correctly um i think penny's gonna let out a scream but quickly like cover her mouth because she doesn't want people to see it although i don't know how she's gonna avoid it so she's just like ah! <laughs> why don't you uh roll to act under pressure to see if you muffle that scream in time let's do it That's a five. Oh, <laughs> go ahead, Mark, mark experience. experience. <laughs> Damn, I don't cover any time. Zeke. Yeah. Young Zeke. Mm-hmm. You are awoken from fitful dreams by the sound of Penny screaming. No, no, I don't want to high five Vesper. What? Uh, Penny? Well, yeah. What's What's up? Um, I just got scared. Uh, by what? I want to I want to say that Zeke is like kind of groggily like sitting in bed with the murderer directly behind him. <laughs> you have a bad dream? No, I think this is my real life. And I think Penny has like not even made eye contact with Zeke. Penny's just looking at the word and just kind of like lifts a finger and points. Zeke turns around and sees the word scrawled on his bedroom wall above him in blood and says, "Uh, oh, fuck. Was it Cliff's ghost?" Is Cliff angry at me? Shit. He's, is he the only person I've murdered? I guess Coach Sheehan's ghost could be mad at me. I didn't technically murder him, but I didn't really help the situation. Fuck. Shit. Oh, man. Who's after me? Who did this? Did you see? (laughs) And he's laughing. (laughs) (laughs) No, I did not see. This isn't funny. Someone's calling me a murderer. Uh... I think it's at me. You think it's at you? Why would it be at you? Um, Those people you killed in the helicopter? Yeah. Huh. I mean, I just kind of assumed it was science goons up there. Hey, hey, wake up! And he starts slapping old Zeke. Uh, What? Whoa. I was having the most wonderful dream about our good friend Vesper. Oh, God. Look at this. Whoa! 
Mmm. You're so loud. Someone's pretty angry. Can we just clean it off the wall? Uh, yeah, we can. Sure. Yeah, let me uh, get a, a bucket or and, uh, something. Ma- Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Zeke, the Zeeks, uh, rouse themselves out of bed and march into the kitchen to find some cleaning utensils. Yeah, Zeke, uh, and Penny, mm-hmm. Vesper, Heck, and even Saber continue to honk shoe undisturbed <laughs> as, uh, Zeke heads downstairs to get cleaning supplies. And yeah, the two Zeeks return with a small pail of water and a magic eraser to get that shit off the wall. Uh, okay, uh, I think you're able to scrub this stuff off without waking anyone else. Jeez, oh, Pete, we have a lot of angry ghosts at us. We should try to reduce our loss of life, maybe, <laughs> when we do stuff. Yeah, I mean, one angry ghost is plenty. I don't need a whole bunch of them mad at us. I think Penny is just kind of like standing there quietly, just looking off. Hey, hey, it's a, look, it's going to be okay. I mean, like we said, it was probably just freaking mostly science goons in that helicopter anyway. And like, if that guy with the bad suit was in the helicopter, I don't find him very threatening alive or as a ghost. So like, it's going to be all right. It's not a big deal. I mean, it is a big deal, but it's it's going to be okay. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be. Oh, I'm sure it's going to be fine. <laughs> hey, Zeke, do you remember like a long time ago? Um, my friend Violet. Yeah, huh? Do you, what do you remember about that day? Uh, I mean, I remember that you, uh, scared her with your powers by accident. And then she ran away. And I told you I was going to make you a helmet to help you control your powers. I'm still working on it. I'm still working (laughs) on it. Uh, yeah, and she ran away and her... I guess she moved. I guess I guess her family left town. Her house was for sale like a week later, so her family did leave town. Um, uh-huh. So you and I weren't that close then. I think that was how we met. Yeah, rough start. Um, but she didn't move. Um, uh, I didn't really have control over my powers, and they were getting kind of strong at that time, and things kind of escalated. And I didn't mean to hurt her, but she didn't move away. And you helped me move her. You don't remember it, and that's on me. And I wouldn't do that to you again, but I panicked. Wait, what? What are you, what are you telling me right now? Zeke, I think that as Penny makes this confession to you, even though you haven't quite yet consciously understood what she's saying I think she has given your subconscious enough information at this point that the dam of that spell breaks and you are flooded back with memories of the actual events Uh, oh oh god she her head hit the wall and 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 I remember the I remember the blood and I, I remember I remember carrying her body out. Oh my god, I... Oh. Oh, I... uh, Fuck, I... Yeah, we turned her body into ash, buddy. Yep, yep. 
I think Penny is kind of squatted in the floor and she's crying a bit. Oh, fuck. Oh, jeez. Shh, people are sleeping. I don't... <clears throat> okay, yep. It was an accident and uh, you didn't you didn't do anything wrong, so... Penny, listen, I, I just... I need a minute, okay? This is a lot. Um, I was already kind of struggling with processing the shit I did remember, and now I find out there was even worse shit that I didn't remember. Um, fuck. Uh, I just... I think I'm just gonna lie back down. Well, wait a minute. I can't stay stay. Okay, all right. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna lie down. We're gonna lie down. <laughs> um, listen, Penny, try not to sweat it too much. Okay, he's he's gonna be fine. I am not gonna be fine. Uh, yeah. As soon as the young Zeke screams, I'm not gonna be fine. Uh, y'all hear rustling and movement from the other three occupants of this bedroom, and I think Vesper sits up first kind of groggily and says um what i why does it smell like bleach in here what are you people doing weird zeke did you shit the bed uh young zeke does not respond he's just like he's got he's lied so that the their whole body is just facing the wall and zeke young zeke is facing the wall with his eyes closed just like trying to shut everything out and old zeke is just like craning (laughs) his neck over their shoulder to try to talk to everybody else no, he's, yeah, no, he's fine. There was just a, uh, a spill. We knocked over a two liter of Coke, uh, in our sleep. We had to clean it up, had to get the stain remover on the carpet. You know, don't want to make Jeff mad. Okay. Uh, that's great. Can I, um, here's a trick that I learned, uh, years ago is I, almost every time I clean up a spill, I do it without screaming. Yep. 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 Sorry. We just have a very naturally loud voice. <laughs> Go back to sleep. Good friend. I'm going to try. Yep. You see Heck and Saber, who had also both kind of woken up a little bit at the the screaming, seem to both half asleep register that explanation. And Saber, at least, kind of registers that explanation, I think. Uh, She was just sort of floating next to the bed above Mm -hmm. the ground, turns over uh, Mm -hmm. to do like a face down floating sleep and Uh goes back to sleep. Heck rubs his eyes and sees you, Penny. And says, uh, Penny, are, are, are you okay? You have to cry over spilled conk. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. Um, I just had a bad dream, but it's okay. Oh, um, is there, uh, is there anything I can do? Um, no, but thanks for being here. I think she needs a hug. Okay, the weird old man head sleeping in the room with all the teens told me to hug you. <laughs> yeah, we can that... just pretend he didn't say that, but I'll take the hug. Okay, let's pretend the, the hug was my idea. Sure. So I feel less weird about it. Yeah, yeah, me too. Oh, yep, I'm not even here. I'm I'm asleep. Honk, shoo, honk, shoo. <laughs> is, is old Zeke honk, shooing and making eye contact with Heck? In the uh, same way that you, James, were just making eye contact with me when you did it. He's, like he closes, he closes his eyes first and like squeezes them shut, but then he opens one. <laughs> I think Heck just keeps looking at Old Zeke as he uh, climbs up and gives Penny a hug. And he, uh, after the hug, without another word, he goes and gets his little pillow and blanket from the floor and moves it over to where you are, Penny, and lays down next to you. Aww. I think Penny rests her head on his shoulder. Uh, old Zeke gives them a thumbs up while still pretending to be asleep. Fucking perv. We cut to Angela Atticus Jr., who moments ago was standing in a magical forest 
in front of the first witch in her ancient sylvan slumber. Except now, Angela, you're not in the woods. Where am I? Just like that. And you you didn't even notice the transition happen. You just sort of blinked and found yourself transported to the throne room of a magnificent palace. Whoa, how do we get here? Ornate gold trim lines the walls. Beautiful velvet-covered Rococo furniture occupies every space that your eye lands on. There is a long, massive, ornate rug running down the center of this room, the ceiling of which lofts above you like a medieval cathedral. Directly ahead of you where once there was a dark, grimy nest of vines and branches, now there is a tremendous gilded throne atop which sits a beautiful woman wearing a long velvet moss green dress and she looks at you and she says welcome home Are you my mom? She laughs. <laughs> um, well, yes, I suppose I am. Angel's eyes get really wide. I, I have so many questions. I don't even know where to start. Is the, Do I have siblings? Do I have a dad? Can you just kind of explain to me everything, how I love Everything this? is a big question. <sighs> okay, everything about me then. Why am I not here? Why don't I live with you? Why don't I live in this beautiful palace? Let's take a walk. Okay. And she climbs out of her throne and down the the short staircase off of the uh, raised platform on which the throne rests and comes towards you. As she comes down off this big throne and down off this platform, you're, you're able to get a sense of how big she actually is. She stands probably a foot above you and... Her own tree branch antlers extend several feet even above that, giving her a towering and intimidating stature. And she gently takes your hand and begins walking you away from the throne and deeper into the palace. As you're walking, you hear the sounds of songbirds in the distance, and you pass by a few large arched windows outside of which you see beautifully manicured courtyards full of a multitude of different trees. Inside the palace, multicolored tapestries hang down in great swoops of fabric from the ceiling. And you see, amidst those swoops of fabric, the most beautiful rainbow-colored little songbirds that you've ever seen in your life, just kind of flitting about hither and thither near the arched ceiling of the palace. And the witch queen, who you have pretty confident that this is still who she is. As she leads you along, she says, um, well, I suppose I'll answer your direct questions first. No, you do not have a father. You come directly and precisely from myself, just as I came from my mother. As to siblings, you once had a multitude, but I'm afraid, as you may have heard, they are all gone now. Gone? Those of the world of man knew them as the witches. Oh. 
my children were powerful. And powerful things, particularly powerful things of nature, are a threat to the world of man. And so one by one, they were all destroyed. What about me? How am I still here? You, Angela, are the answer to their destruction. <laughs> what? Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Jivoshona, and I am the queen of the forest and the mother of witches. You continue to walk through this palace, and now you're walking past a tall, wrapping double staircase, spiraling upwards um, out of sight towards another unseen floor. You still haven't seen any other sign of life here besides Jivojona and birds. the birds. Yeah, But you do see a, a great deal of plant life here. It is not wild, though. It is all carefully contained in pots and vases and carefully manicured to fit the gilded precision of the rest of the palace. And every time you pass one of these plants, you see uh, Jivojona gently brushing them with her hand. And every time she does this, you see new leaves and buds and flowers popping up on all of them. She says, um, those who wander and are lost in the great forest are my purview. Oftentimes, the children of man will find themselves unfortunate enough to fall within my domain. And on the times that this happens, I take it upon myself to make an exchange. I grant their parents the gift of exchanging their worthless little sacks of meat for one of my powerful children who may walk the earth of man like a god. So you exchanged me for a human child? I replaced a human child with you. Men's bodies are weak, they're fragile, their lives are short, and their actions are ugly. Although each individual one has no real power, not like we do. Together, they have a great power, which they have used to destroy the world of you and me and my mother. Matisira Zemlia, the moist mother of the earth from which I sprang forth untold ages ago. But you, Akasa Luin, my lost child, you will put an end to this destruction. How? As y'all keep walking, you pass by another potted plant. This one, a precisely topiaried bush growing out of a cobalt blue pot. And this time she brushes it and it withers and dies. Its leaves all falling to the ground, brown and rotten. And she says, our world, the world of our mother, the world of nature, is on the brink of death. You, Akasa Luin, you will bring it back to undo, unmake, and sow destruction on the world of man. And I'm supposed to do that? Me? She laughs. <laughs> you can do nothing else. I just turned into this, like, form that you see right here, like, yesterday. I don't know how to do anything. I can't do what you just did where you're touching the plants and creating and destroying and I'm just a baby witch. I can't do what you're asking of me. I am not charging you 
with a mission, my child. I am telling you your destiny. You do not have to do anything. You will simply be, and your being will be the undoing of the world of man. Am I going to cause the extinction of the human race? There is no such thing as a human race. There is only life and death. The humans are, despite how they see themselves, as much a part of us and the mother as we are. But they are diseased in their minds. So do not think of it as an extermination of a race. Think of it as a flourishing of life. When a fox falls dead in the forest, does it not become food to the scavengers and insects? Is it not overflowing with life of fungus, of microbial life forms? Every death, every end is just a piece of the greater picture. And so if the men fall, so that billions of other new lives may sprout forward, what is this to us? So what will this new world look like? Kind of like the forest that I found you in? Angela, as you say those words, you are transported again. You are now standing beside Jivoshona, atop a crumbling skyscraper. You are looking out over what was once a great modern metropolis. But now all you see is a jungle. Broken pieces of building and skyscraper pierce the canopy of trees here and there. And you can see the rusted and vine-laden remnants of raised train platforms. You can see the tails of long-crashed airplanes covered in moss sticking out from clearings here and there. And Jivojona gestures to this scene with her arms out wide, and she says, this will be the world that we will make. Looks like an apocalypse. Every birth of a new world necessitates the apocalypse of the one that came before it. When will this happen? Do you know that? When is not important. (laughs) For me it is. It will happen, and it will happen soon. Great. (laughs) I mean, great. This is beautiful. And then y'all are back in the palace. You really need to give me some warning when we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, now that I know all this, I mean, I guess my destiny is just to go out to the world and cause havoc. But since I'm here right now, is there anything that you want to tell me or show me? Um, like I could use a little mentor, a little help. Also, can I like crash here tonight? I'm really <laughs> tired. <laughs> Do you sleep? Do we sleep? I sleep. She laughs. <laughs> she says, you may stay as long as you require. Time moves differently here than it does where you're from. Hmm. Rest as long as you need. Anything that you require will be provided to you. Mm, king size bed, big TV, and some snacks. And just like that, Angela, you are in a sprawling bedroom in a royal four-poster bed. You don't know what kind of royalty this one is, but it's bigger than the king. It's like a California emperor. Wow. I deserve it. With the 
huge freaking TV. Oh, man. So big. One of those ones that curves around, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of those suckers. And beside you, next to the bed, you see Thatch holding a little tray of snacks. Thatch? <laughs> yes. Angela snatches the snacks out of her hands. Where have you been? How'd you get here? I've always been here. What the fuck do you mean you've always been here? <laughs> That's you, shrugged. You just, you just left me in the woods. Did you know who I was? That's my mom. I have always been in these woods. <laughs> Angela just stares at Thatch. Thatch stares just stares right back at you with her stupid little black eyes. <laughs> All right, Thatch, it was great to see you again. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> Thatch just keeps staring at you. You can leave now, please. I'm fine here. No. Oh, okay, fine. Do you want a you want a snack? They shake their head no. What do you want then? I don't want anything. You're just gonna chill here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Angela like turns the TV on, just kind of like shakes her head in disbelief at Thatch, and she thinks she like opens a bag of like. Veg there's like carrots and like hummus and stuff and so she like opens a bag of carrots and then she takes a bite out of one, puts it down, and like immediately passes out. Okay. Fucking thatch. Let's cut back to the Lynn residence. The following morning. What's crack a lacking? I think young Zeke wakes up, kinda groggily opens his eyes from a night of Bad sleep, and then being woken up, and then learning about trauma you didn't remember, and then uh, bad sleep after that, obviously. Uh, so young Zeke wakes up groggily late in the afternoon to find that his body is already uh, standing and active in the Lynn laboratory, as old Zeke is working on something. Ooh, I love this. So it's... We like we're from Zeke's perspective as his like little eyes just kind of hmm, <laughs> open up and then mm -hmm. he just like looks down his arms are just working <laughs> on stuff. Yep. Okay. Yep. Oh god. And I think he like takes the arm that he controls and rubs his face, but it's holding a screwdriver. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> what? Uh, what? I'm in the lab? I'm standing? Where are we? Hey! You're awake! What? How did we get here? How did you get me here and keep me asleep? You were really, really asleep. It wasn't easy dragging you down here since I only have use of one of our legs, but I did it. Why did you drag our body down here while I was still asleep? Well, I was up and I wanted to start by day and I didn't want to wait for you. Okay, what are we doing? Oh, I'm building a new weapon. Because it seems like shit's going to get pretty real pretty soon. And you smashed our lightning gun. We smashed our lightning gun. It happened in the past tense, so we both did it. Right. Well, I wasn't there for that. Right, but you... Never mind. It's what are... fascinating watching James get Talk. exasperated with himself. I know. <laughs> this happens in real life, though, too. <laughs> like, if he's trying to remember something or, like, tell a story and it's, like, not coming out the way... Like, this is pretty mm -hmm. much it. Uh, so Young Zeke says... Are you just, are you rebuilding the lightning gun? <laughs> no, that'd be too easy. And not any fun. No, I thought I'd make something from scratch. Something with uh, equal lethal capabilities if we want, but maybe something we could tone down a little better if we don't want to, uh, you know, electrocute or murder people. Uh-huh. So I am making 
a sound cannon. Okay. So old Zeke goes around the lab. Uh, he has already taken, I think, like a, an old boombox from Zeke's room and completely disassembled it and taken out the speakers and stuff. He has wired together an electromagnet to make the speakers even more powerful, give them more juice. And he's uh, just right now, like all of the guts are finished. And I think he's just finishing up the... Uh, the outer casing to make it look nice, make it look like a weapon. Okay. Uh, and it's basically just, it's it's modeled after like a bazooka, so it's not that heavy, but it's just a big, long, narrow tube with a speaker on the end that can just blast concentrated sound. So I think old Zeke finishes wiring it together, and he says um, uh, he's got it like, like crudely hooked to two wires hooked up to a car battery. Mm -hmm. And he says, uh, now, I know the lightning gun needed charging, this thing really needs charging, okay? Like, I'm going to drain this whole freaking car battery. You'll get, like, two, maybe three shots off, depending on how high you've set the power. Why are you telling me this? Like, you're attached to me. You're also going to be using it. I'm just clarifying, okay? I don't know how long I'm going to be here, and I don't want me to be gone, and you left with a sound cannon that you don't know how to use. Penny, what are you doing this morning? Um, I think Penny woke up pretty early she did not sleep well for the rest of the night um and she has just kind of been staying out of the way so i think that she like went to the bathroom kind of got ready and sat in there for like 20 minutes and then went to the kitchen to get something to eat so she's in there eating but she's not that hungry honestly so she just got some like toast with jam but she's just kind of sitting in front of it Staring at it. Yeah. Sad. Because she doesn't want to talk to Z because she's sorry. Penny, as you are sitting there staring at your jam, you are vaguely aware. Still got that hot dog belt on, by the way? Oh, I took it off to sleep, but yes, uh, it's back on. That's smart. <laughs> that's smart. Um, you are, I think, vaguely aware of the sound of the television coming from the living room where Jeff and the other kids all are currently. You hear the familiar jingle at the beginning of Chillhaven Good Morning Action News Morning. <laughs> and then like Hazard Manningly's muted voice. And after a few moments of that, you see Hex's head pop around the corner and say, uh, hey, Penny, um, I, wanna, I don't want to interrupt your breakfast, but uh, you should probably come check this out. Okay, Penny goes into the living room. Penny, you enter the living room in which Jeff Lynn, Saber Muto, Vesper Indigo are all seated on Zeke and Jeff's big modular couch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We established you have a modular couch, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. Yep. Around a morning news broadcast already in progress. Penny, as you arrive, Hazard is not on the screen. What is on the screen is an overhead helicopter shot of a little town called Chillhaven. Heard of it. The helicopter is sort of tracking along a tremendous green scar running down the entirety of the city all the way up to the edge of the anodyne pines. You have the thought that it looks like a green scar, and you see on the Chiron, on the bottom of the TV, it is referred to as 
the mysterious scar torn through the center of the city. And you hear Hazard Manningly's voice. A mysterious jungle that has grown up along the Prospect Quandary's debris trail. Citizens are terrified. Reports of attacks from strange creatures have run rampant throughout our community. And although the destruction is widespread, and the concern among the entire population of town is palpable, there has been little to no action or communication from the office of Mayor Fieldgoal. But we take you now live to a press conference that has just been called by the Chillhaven City Council. The camera cuts to a live shot of a press conference. Uh, everyone, give me a press conference detail. There's like a detail of it? Yeah, what do press conferences look like? Like there's a podium out front of City Hall reporters. usually. And there's reporters all around there. Photographers. Yeah. There's yeah. one reporter who's wearing like a fedora with a pen stuck in the brim and like his sleeves rolled up in suspenders and all the other reporters look normal. Okay. I am imagining a crowd of people with pitchforks, but that might be a little too much at this moment. You could have people with They're signs. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, okay. So we got in front of Chillhaven City Hall, a podium, cluster of microphones, Directly just past that, bunch of reporters, cameras, flashes going off. We hear the murmur of crowds. And you all see a short woman with short hair trepidatiously approaching the podium. And you see the Chiron change now to say Chillhaven City Council Chairman Olivia Hennessy. And she motions for silence and the, the tittering of the crowd gradually quiets down. Can you all give me a like loud crowd ramble that gradually cr- quiets down? Hello everyone. Thank you for gathering here today. We want answers. Yep. Okay. Terrific. I know. Uh, first, let me say that uh, myself and the rest of the city council has heard your concerns and that we are just as perplexed by this situation as you are. We know that the the crash of the ship and its horrible and unforeseen consequences took all of us here in Chillhaven by surprise. Uh, But what did not take us by surprise, I am sad to say, has been the inaction from the mayor's office on this issue. I think that Myself, the rest of the city council, as well as many members of this community are now finally beginning to see the downside of having elected a dog, mayor of town. Abolish the mayor! Don't you dare badmouth field goal! <laughs> He's doing his best! He pooped on my lawn! <laughs> are you, I'm sorry, are you on my side or her side? <laughs> the side of justice! Okay, everyone, okay. <laughs> all right, everyone please. It, so it, in response to all of your concerns, as well as the very real threat to the safety of our entire city, its infrastructure, and the community therein. The city council and myself have unanimously decided to take bold action on this issue. We will be using the power granted to us by you, the Chillhaven voters, to unilaterally supersede the authority of the mayor's office and name an emergency city manager to help take control of this horrible situation. Now, we, 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 we deliberated extensively, but in the end, the choice was obvious. And I will, uh, I will introduce the city manager now, who uh, can take the remaining questions after a short statement. 
You all know her. She is a tremendously successful entrepreneur and business owner, as well as a renowned scientist and engineer. I'm talking, of course, about Chillhaven's own Meredith Indigo. Boo! <laughs> we hate science. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> no one is more capable. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Oh, long live the technocracy! Oh, God. Vesper? This is bad. Um, yeah. This is, uh, the exact thing that my mom does not need is more power. I'll go get Zeke. And Penny leaves to go find Zeke. Zeke's. Okay. The Zeke's. Le Zeke's. Le Zeke's. Yeah, we can, we'll follow Penny down into the lab. Penny um, is just going to run up to Zeke and say, um, hi, good morning, sorry again. Uh, Penny! Hi, other Zeke. Hello! Um, you gotta come check out the news, it's not good. <sighs> Fuck, all right. As soon as you say that, you both see Saber's head and shoulders emerge from the ceiling of the lab, and she says, um, hey, hurry up, y'all. Her speech is starting. What? Whose speech? Who do you think? I don't know. That's why I asked. <laughs> Meredith Indigo. Oh, this is that time. Oof. Okay, let's get upstairs. We cut back to the living room as you two emerge from downstairs. Just as Meredith Indigo, as always, wearing her pristine lab coat and impenetrable science goggles, has just begun speaking into the cluster of microphones. And so it is with a heavy but glad and duty-bound heart that I accept the position granted to me by the Chilhaven City Council. And there's a smattering of applause. Now I understand that everyone is afraid, and rightly so, by what has befallen our community. But I want to dispel some notions that have been going around lately. There is nothing magic about what has happened to us. <laughs> there are no cryptids or ghouls or ghosts involved here. It is a ship from outer space that has been exposed to some kind of radiation or atmospheric effect that is having a negative effect on the biology of the plants and life forms of our town. That is it. While what is happening here may be unprecedented and it may be frightening, it is 100% explainable by science. Okay, tell that to the witch head machine in our basement. And also the second witch head machine that me and your child built together. Me and your child. <laughs> and thus, because it is explainable by science and falls within the realm of science, it is treatable with science. And there is no one more up to that task than myself and the wonderful team of scientific professionals that work underneath me at Indigo Labs. Ugh. I will be putting forward every single resource available to me, both from the city, its offices, and from my own personal resources and those of my laboratory. Now, although I have told you that everything here is explainable by science, that does not mean that there is nothing of which to be afraid. As I said, the effects of the ship have not just resulted in the overgrown plants that we're also aware of now. Unfortunately, 
Whatever this radiation is has also affected some of the citizens of Chilhaven. Now these citizens are not under the power of their own minds and may lash out with violence, although it is not under their own control. They just need to be treated and helped to return to normal. So I'm asking every citizen of Chilhaven to aid me in this effort. If you see anywhere someone who looks as though they have been affected by the ship, someone showing strange physical properties, extra limbs, extra eyes, anything so that might be strange and unexplainable, I need you to report them at once to me or a member of my team so that we may apprehend them and help to cure them. Dad, 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 put the phone down. Huh, what? Put the phone down. Oh, right, 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 right. I, you know when the TV tells me to do something. Yeah, I know, put it down. <laughs> <laughs> so in conclusion, I am fully confident that together with your, hmm, gumption and my <laughs> brilliance, we can overcome this problem together. Thank you, Chillhaven. Uh, and then there's a, a loud round of applause from the from the gathered crowd. Woo! Thank you, Meredith. You're our savior. Meredith for president. Put I like your the moon. hair. I want to go like to the moon. <laughs> uh, young Zeke grabs the TV remote off the table and turns off the television. <laughs> And I think when watching that, Penny, who's been just holding her uneaten piece of toast, has just like crumpled it up into her hand, and now her hand's full of jam. <laughs> <laughs> just jam oozing out of the Ugh, sides of your hand. That's sticky. Yeah. Well, that seems pretty bad. Yeah. And we gotta warn Angela before she comes back from out of the forest. We also still need to get Dick out of that lab, because I guarantee she's doing all sorts of horrible experiments on him. Yep. We got some planning to do. Planning is not my forte, even in the future. You're not from, you know what, I don't even know anymore. I'm not gonna. Penny's gonna shove her handful of toast into old uh, Zeke's mouth. Oh, oh, mm. <laughs> oh it's tasty, but it's dry. <laughs> you're dry, old man. <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> Listen, you're not in control of the editing. <laughs> That's really scary. <laughs> That bear is in to grab power faster than I grab tofu dogs for Penny. And my reaction time is humanly imperceptible. But what's not imperceptible is the amount of talent from the wonderful people who make this podcast. For example, Penny White is played by Bess Lawson. Angela Atticus Jr. is played by Megan Stressman. Zeke Lynn is played by James Kedlar, who is also the sound designer and composer for the podcast. Every other living thing in Chilhaven was performed by Philip Stressman, who is also the producer and game master. Our introduction was performed by Ethan Waldron. Additional sound effects from Zapsplat.com. Monster of the Week tabletop game, created by Michael Sands. See everybody next time. Wait, no I won't. <laughs>